We're so honored that you joined us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. Man, I love that music. Kind of gets me in the party vibe. Celebrate Easter. Come on, is anybody glad to be in church celebrating Easter? Oh my goodness, man, was that worship not amazing? I just got to give a couple of shout outs first to the worship team. Come on, can we give it up for our amazing worship team? And how about that choir? Come on, that was amazing. Uh, secretly, one of, my, one of my dreams is that I would be able to preach with the choir. Just like, I think I was born to preach with the choir. In fact, I try to get them to stay out here, and whenever I preach something good, they, hallelujah, or something, you know, I don't know. But I, I love choir. I need to preach with the choir, I think. But, man, it was so amazing to hear the choir. It was so good. And wasn't the spoken words so amazing? Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, our creative team. Can we give it up for our creative team? Just amazing job. Amazing job. Just so grateful to be here, man. I am so excited. Like my wife, I love Easter, and look at all of you in, in, in your Sunday best, your Easter outfits, and you got your honey-baked ham in the oven, and your potatoes au gratin, and some dude just looked at me weird like, you eat rotten potatoes? No, au gratin, bro. Like, they're good. I think they're Celtic or something. I don't know, but but they're amazing, and I can't wait to have brunch with my family later, but I, I love this. I love that on Easter Sunday that we get to worship Jesus. So I want to give the biggest shout out to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, that I'm so grateful that he didn't just stay on the cross, but he died, he was buried, and he rose from the grave so that we can experience life in him. We could be here together and experience more and more of that life. He is risen. I'm going to say that again. Some of you didn't get it. When I say he is risen, you're supposed to say he is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen Come on, that's so good. Thank you, Jesus. Can we give Jesus a hand clap? Give him some praise. He is so, so worthy. I'm so excited. I could have just worshiped the whole time with you guys, but I do believe God put something on my heart I want to share with you. We've been in this message series, Jesus, Friend of Sinners. How many of you are glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners? I'm just so grateful. And one of my goals through this message series has been that as we saw Jesus more up close and up close, and as we were reminded of the stories, and we've gone through some amazing stories of people's lives that were changed. Do you realize that when we read the Bible, we're not just reading stories, like my wife said a little bit ago, that we're reading facts, like this is history. And even, even people have tried to discredit Jesus and the resurrection. They've only proved more and more that it happened, that it was real. And, and when we read these stories, sometimes I don't think it, it connects to our heart. And one of the things that I hope to do through even today's story is that it would connect with our heart, that we would sometimes, somehow find ourselves in the people in these historical stories and how Jesus, as we get closer to him, that we see his heart, that we feel his heart, that we experience the love that he poured out on the cross for you and for me all over again. And so um, I'm gonna, we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning of a man who was desperate. Anybody ever been desperate? And he was in a situation where he was literally hours away from death. He was on his deathbed. 
And in his moment of pain and agony and desperation, he turns to Jesus, and Jesus shows him great mercy and great love. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 23. I'm going to start in verse 32, and I'm going to read out of the NIV version. If you don't have it, it's okay. Uh, by the way, we always have Bibles for you back at the Connect Center, but you can read up on the screen as well. It says this, Two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be with him. This is the story, by the way. I should have prepared you a little bit. This is the story of Jesus when he was being uh, crucified on the cross. He was being brutally executed. And in that moment, you know, you see the picture of Golgotha, the place of the skull, the hill where Jesus was crucified, and you always see three crosses. Those other two are these two criminals. And it says two other men, both criminals, were also led out to be with, with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, and this just blows me away, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes and casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God, Messiah, the chosen one. And the soldiers also came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? And there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews, intended to mock him. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him and said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself then and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. And this is the man we're going to hone in on today. He rebuked him and said, don't you fear God, he said. Since you're under the same sentence, we are punished ju justly, but we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, some versions say assuredly. That's important. We're going to get to that later. Jesus said, uh, answered him, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. A word of mercy, a word of grace, a word of love, a word of salvation. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that reminds us of your love. We thank you for your word that reminds us of the mercy and the grace that you have for us, God. And God, today as we gather here to remember not only what you did on the cross, but what you did when you rose from the grave. And as we celebrate that life, God, I pray today that every single person here would experience that life, some maybe for the very first time. Some maybe have drifted away and distanced themselves from your life and from your love. I pray today would be a day that we come back to you. God, I pray for those of us who sometimes in the busyness of life we forget. And today I pray that today would be a day we would remember. We would remember how much you love us in Jesus' mighty name. God, I need your help to preach this message. I give you this time. This is your microphone. I'm your mouthpiece. 
Holy Spirit, I'm completely dependent upon you for your anointing. God, use me. We give you this time together in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Title of my message to you this morning on this Easter morning is Six Feet from Heaven. Six Feet from Heaven. You see, these, these uh, and we've learned a lot about six feet, haven't we, over the last year, just a little bit. I'm guessing, and, and most scholars, I don't know that anybody actually measured the distance between these two criminals, these two thieves hanging on the cross, one on Jesus' left and one on his right, but I'm guessing it's a, roughly about six feet. And, and even though these two men were also nailed to a cross and they couldn't get any physically closer to Jesus, their hearts were far from him. And, and I think, you know, how many of you remember 2020? You remember that little thing? You remember that little thing called the pandemic that we're still kind of working through and, and kind of coming down the other side? But all of us, we tend to have this thing called the negative bias. Psychologists termed it negative bias. That is, we remember the things that happened to us that were negative more than we do the positive. And, and, and this can kind of mess us up sometimes. But, but I think... One of the greatest things I thought about 2020, I thought about the whole social distancing thing and how, how we, we needed to do that to keep us safe, right? And that, that was the intention, that was the purpose. In fact, um, it was kind of funny when I go to the gym and I go to the summit and I know I look like it with my bulging muscles popping out of my blazer. But, but I go to the summit and there's a little sign in the summit to remind you about social distancing. And, and they, they kind of make fun of it. They say, do it Montana style. Like six feet is about one grizzly bear length. Or it could be three wild turkeys. Or it could be six trout. I'm like, come on, people. Six feet, six feet. But, but the thing that, that, that kind of worried me about the whole social distancing, and I get it. I know that we kind of had to do it to try to keep each other safe. But to me, one of the greatest dangers and by the way, social distancing, isn't that kind of like an oxymoron? Like, how do you be social and distance yourself at the same time? Yet, yet we, have, we did it to keep each other safe, but my fear in it, and my fear even for my children, is that as we've come out of this, that it would get ingrained in our memory enough so that we would continue distancing ourselves from each other. Like last year, I don't know how many of you, I'm so grateful that we get to worship Jesus together in this place for Easter. And, and, and we're going to talk about some things that we learned through this season of pain, because in 2020, it, it was painful. Um, but to me, the greatest fear is not that we would distance ourselves physically, but that we would start to distance our soul, not just from each other, but from God. In fact, the, the statistics are, are astounding. To me, as a pastor and as a spiritual leader, how many people walked away from the church? How many people got used to watching church online and distancing themselves from this right here? There is not, I'm telling you, if there's anything that we learn, it's that you cannot replace this. You cannot replace being in the presence of God together with other people worshiping and singing. This isn't a knock for those of you who are joining us online because I'm so grateful for the technology and especially during that season where, where we didn't know what was going to happen with this pandemic, but, but we were locked in at home and so we had to do church online and, 
And I'm grateful for that technology. But, but man, I remember the day that we came back and we got to worship Jesus together. There's nothing like it. And yet, I think for a lot of us, what, what happened during that season is because we were confused and because we, we were actually wondering, God, are you remembering us? Are you remembering us? Are you remembering what we're going through right now? And for some of us, we may not even realize it, but we can distance our heart from God. In fact, you could even be in a service like this and be distanced from God. Jesus himself said, these people, they honor me, they give praise to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And yet today is a day that we want to draw near to God because when we draw near to God, we get to experience the life of God. But 2020, it, it, was, it was rough. It was rough, and I think sometimes the best thing when you go through something rough is you got to find something to laugh about. you gotta, you got to find something in it to kind of bring you joy. And I don't know about how many of you like memes. How many of you like memes? How many, you're a meme person. You go on social media. Memes are funny. My kids used to make fun of me because when memes first came out, I called them maymays. And I'll never, I'll never live that one down. The maymays, dad, really? It's kind of like they roll their eyes at me. Oh, dad, you're never going to get it. By the way, I got five kids, and so that means I don't remember much. I'm lucky if I can remember their names. But, but I, got, I pulled up some funny memes for you that uh, around 2020 that I think you'll like. How about this one? Government say, stay inside. Half of U.S. population, catch me outside. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. The five of you that do, you think it's funny, and that's okay. About the next one, I like this one. This will resonate with you. Potential buyer, hi, I'm looking to buy a house. How's the market? Me, remember back in May when you were looking for toilet paper? Yeah, just like that. <laughs> and some of you are like, oh man, you f I'm feeling your pain right now. Like some of you I know moved here and you're living in campers and you're trying to find houses and it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. How about this one? I love this for all you Lord of the Rings fans. <laughs> My precious. I can't find toilet paper. Oh my gosh, the world is going to end. What are we going to do? I never got that one. Like, what is, what's, the, what's the deal with the run on toilet paper anyway? What's that all about? Come on, there's leaves, people. We live in Montana. Come on, we're hardcore here. We don't need that Charmin cushy stuff. How about this one? The reboot this is the movie. I'm going to Costco. I need guns. This is my man. He works at Costco there. I need guns. I need a mask. People, when, it, when this whole thing broke out, it was like going to Costco. It was like going to war. I got to push people. I had old ladies running over me with carts. Oh, my gosh, there's one thing of toilet paper left. There's water. I got to get it. How about this one? Coming this summer to a yard sale near you. Yeah, all that toilet paper you stocked up on. Yeah, y'all, now you're going to have to get rid of it now. All right, how about this one? You remember Zoom meetings? If you work from home, if you do, we did a lot of Zoom meetings. First day of Zoom meetings, you're all like, I'm going to be buttoned up. I'm going to work from home. By day 14, like, holla, yo, what's up? <laughs> I ain't got no pants on right now. And um, my kids are crying, screaming, playing in the background. I forgot to hit the mute button. But it's okay. We're going to get work done. I promise, boss. How about this one? Parents that had to homeschool their kids. Man, I feel your pain. Parents dealing with school closures. Homeschool parents, parents are like, welcome to my circus, welcome to my world, I'll help you out. <laughs> Holla. <laughs> I like this one. I am a horrible homeschool teacher. My child has been at recess since 9.30. <laughs> truth, hashtag truth. 
Oh, man, watching movies on the iPad. How about this one? When my child emerges from quarantine without a barber, dentist, or a teacher. Be looking like Dumb and Dumber. Dude, they're going to school now on the back of the moped. Oh, man, that's so good. That's so good. We remember. Someday we're going to laugh about those things, but the reality is, is it was painful, wasn't it? It's still painful for a lot of us. And, uh, and I know that some of you, even now, I don't, I don't mean to make light of it, but just, just to really lighten the mood, because I think 2020 was a rough year, and I think a lot of us, we went through pain. And, and if there isn't anything that um, the cross teaches us, is that there's, there's things that we can learn through pain. There's good things that could come out of pain. And so I've got a couple of thoughts on this passage of Scripture that we just read. The first one is this. God cares more about you than what you do. Now, even for some of you, even me saying that has hit you funny. Like, what do you mean? God doesn't care what... No, no, no. He, he does care about what you do, but he actually cares more about you as a person. When I read this passage, the thing that just blew me away in this story is the fact, and it, all you type one people, this will really mess with you. Because I think sometimes we get in our mindset that we need to please God, that, that we need to do all the right things, that, that somehow that if we follow God and, we, and we're a good Christian and we come to church and we read the Bible and we do our devotionals and, and we serve in church, then we do the right things, that somehow God is, is going to be pleased with me. And, and the reality is, is when I read this passage of Scripture and I read this story of this thief, this man who literally was a criminal, was a sinner, probably most of his life. And we don't know a lot about this man, but what we do know is that he deserves the punishment. He even said it himself to the other criminal. This man doesn't deserve it, but we deserve it. I've, I've done a lot of things wrong. He has done, maybe he's done absolutely nothing right in his whole life, and he's literally hours away from dying, taking his last breath, and he throws out a Hail Mary. And he asks Jesus in that moment. He recognizes, in fact, some, some of the translations don't have this, like the one that I read, but, but some of the translations says, Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He recognized, number one, that he was a sinner and that he needed grace, he needed mercy. And number two, that, that Jesus was Lord and he had the ability to show him that grace and that mercy. But what messes with my head in this whole story is that this man had nothing to offer Jesus. Nothing. He would never be able to do one good thing to make it up for Jesus, for the mercy and the grace and the love that he showed. Something changed in this man's heart while he hung on that cross. We don't know what it is, but I think maybe, just maybe, it was the way that he watched Jesus handle the pain, handle the suffering, the grace that he had, even as he was in excruciating pain, fighting for his life, in the battle for his life, all hell coming at him, the wrath of God being poured out on him because of your sin and my sin, and yet in the middle of it, Jesus has the audacity to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Who does that? What kind of a man is this? this he recognizes this isn't just a man. This is the Messiah. 
This is Lord, and I need his mercy. And this man had nothing to offer Jesus. Just like the reality is that, that we, we have nothing to offer Jesus. And yet, Jesus says, surely, you could be sure of this. I love that. That word truly, it means assuredly. It means that you can bank on it. You could be sure of this. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, 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 today. Today somebody's day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that we receive mercy. Now, I love this, this passage of Scripture in, in Lamentations 3.19. Talk about remembering. Remember my affliction. This is, this is the prophet Jeremiah, and he is going through some terrible pain. He's seen the destruction of his country. He's seen people he loved died. And he's in the middle of the, the whole book of Lamentations. The Lamentations mean to lament, to, to mourn, to weep. You're weeping. And for many of us, we, we, we're still lamenting the things that we lost and we've gone through in life. And he says this, remember my affliction. Remember my pain. Remember my wanderings. Look at that. How many of us, we've wandered away from the grace of God the wormwood, and all the gall. My soul continually remembers and is bowed down within me. In other words, I continually remember all the negative things, all of my pain, all of my shortcomings. And as we remember those things, we think that God is distancing himself from us, that we can't draw near to God because we're not good enough, we haven't done enough good. And what this story reminds me is it's not based on my works, but based on faith in the saving grace and mercy of God and God alone. But I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. And I want to remind you that you can recall this this morning, and you could find hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. The Lord, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. It's not in my good works. It's not what I've done. It isn't what I haven't done, but it is in him alone. My hope is in him alone. His mercies are new every morning. You know what that means? That, that word in the original Hebrew is the word hadar. And, and what it means this is so cool. It actually doesn't mean to be just new. Like God's mercy. God showed this man great mercy. God wants to show you great mercy. I love that Jeremiah reminds us that as we get up every day, as we look at that sunrise over the mountains, as we're driving to church, that we can remember and be reminded that God's mercy is new every morning. No matter what you came in with, no matter what you went through this week, no matter what you went through last year or yesterday, God's mercies are new every morning. And that word in the original language doesn't mean just new. It means unique. So not only is God's mercy new every morning, it is specifically tailored to what you need for that day. Oh, man, that's better than what y'all should amen that. When I wrap that around my head, think about this for a minute. Take however old you are, and times it by 365. That's the days, how many days you've lived life. That's how many mercies, unique mercies God has shown you throughout your lifetime. Now, if that doesn't require praise to God, 
You know, so, come on, Jesus said even the rocks will cry out. Listen, I think the problem is sometimes we don't relate to these two thieves because we don't, we, we don't steal anything. I'm not a robber. I'm not a thief. Do you know that in the Talmud, which is the Hebrew uh, law, that any time that you experience a blessing and you don't thank God for it, you're actually breaking the law. You're actually robbing from God a blessing. So anytime that you eat something good, like after, when I break out that Cadbury egg with the ooh, goody, yolky stuff in the middle, or I get me some Reese's peanut butter eggs, don't give me no peeps. I don't like those things. I don't even know how long they've been, you know, there in that package. I'm guessing that those are one of those things you could put in a bunker and it's going to be there 10 years later. <laughs> but give me a Reese's peanut butter egg and mm-mm, good. But every time that you experience goodness in life, anytime that you experience something that is good, anytime you're around family, anytime you come to church, anytime that somebody gives you a hug, anytime that you experience the goodness of God, it says that I'm going to bless God, oh my soul. I'm going to thank him. We have trouble thanking him because sometimes we're too focused on our pain. That's, that's another, my another point. God uses pain to draw us to himself. God uses pain to draw us to himself. When I look at this, something changed in this man's heart. Both of these men are in excruciating, all three of them are in excruciating pain. But one of them turns to God and one of them turns away from God. You see, pain, pain is like the check engine light on your car. It's a warning sign. God made us to experience pain so that as we experience pain, we, we start to question why. I experienced this this past week. I, I, I woke up one morning and my neck was really stiff and it was in pain and I was kind of doing one of these, doing the Frankenstein, you know, like, honey, yes, doing one of those. And man, I was so jacked up. I couldn't move and I was in a lot of pain. And so... Finally, I woke up the next day. I thought maybe this will go away. I woke up the next day and, and I still had that pain. And what the pain did is it drove me to pursue relief from the pain. And I went to the chiropractor. I went to my man Canyon up there in Whitefish. Shout out my boy, Whitefish Chiropractic. And, and he was giving me an adjustment. He was working on my neck. And he said something that really hit me. He said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on this machine. It's called the electronic muscle stimulation, EMS, muscle stimulation. And he's like, I'm like, okay, something wrong? I was starting to get worried. And he's like, no, 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 everything's fine. He's just that I was only able to work out about 70% of your pain because of muscle memory. I said, what? He said, yeah, I'm only able to get about 70% of it out because your muscles have actually uh, created a, a memory and have kept you in this certain position, and I can only work it out 70%. Now I need to put you on this machine so that it can work out the rest and undo um, the muscle memory. And so I was like, okay, whatever, as long as this helps. So I go over um, into this room and he attaches these little probes to the back of my neck, and the lady's like, now I'm gonna crank this up and you're gonna feel like little needles going in you. And I'm like, 
awesome. This sounds awesome. This is going to help, by the way. And she's like, oh, yeah, you'll feel much better when this is done. And she said, I'm going to turn it up. And she said, you let me know when you can't take the pain anymore, but try to take as much as you can because it actually will help you. And so as I laid there in these like little needles, I, she cranked it up and I said, okay, you can stop there. And I'm like, how many of you ever gone to physical therapy? I'm like, is this really therapy? Or is this like torture chamber? This is like medieval stuff that you're taking me back to. And, um, and so I sat there for two minutes and, this, and, I, and I got up and it, and it helped so much. But what the Lord showed me through that, because I was just pondering that, I'm like, this is crazy, it is that some of us have gone through so much pain in life that it isn't our muscles that have kept us in the memory but our souls and and you could get trapped in this place of pain that you get stuck in life and you don't know how to get past it and, and here's the problem for many of us that it's our own sin that have caused the pain or, or, or it's if it's not our sin it's the sin of other people or if it's not the sin of other people, it's just something that happened to us that we got into a car wreck or something happened that, that, that we can't explain. But y'all know that, that when sin entered the world, that there's three ways that, that sin brought pain into the world. And, and the way we experience it is either through our own sin, our own bad choices. By the way, this, 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 the three crosses are a beautiful picture of, of the fact that there was a man on the left and a man on the right, and Jesus is right in the middle, and they both had a choice. You know you have a choice of what to do with your pain. You know you have a choice of what to do with your sin. You know you have a choice of what to do with the sin of other people. And there, there's so many of you in this room and so many watching online that you've experienced pain in life from your own bad decisions and your own choices that you've lived distant and away from God and try to do life on your own. And there's a season, the Bible says there's a season for sin. Like I don't experience the consequences for, sin has a lagging effect. It doesn't catch up to you right away, but I assure you, just like this thief on the cross, it caught up to him and it will catch up into your life and it will cause you pain, but you have a choice. You have a choice what to do with that pain. Your pain will either draw you to Jesus or it will draw you away from him. It'll make you bitter. You'll start to blame God and get mad at God and think, God, where have you been? You left me. You, you're not there for me. And yet, in the, uh, this is a beautiful picture that in the middle of the most excruciating pain that these guys are going through, that Jesus is right there in the middle. He's, he's saying it. It's a reminder to us this morning. No matter what you're going through, Jesus is right there with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm right there in the middle of your pain. I'm going through it with you. You see, people wonder why. Why did Jesus have to die such an excruciatingly painful death? Let me tell you, he gave him. He says, nobody takes my life. I give it voluntarily. He volunteered himself to the pain. Why? In Isaiah 53, he says, by his wounds, we are healed. So that everything that we experience in this life, Jesus experienced on the cross. He experienced the pain so that he could relate to you and me. And so that when you're in pain, you could cry out to him. Ephesians 2.13 says this, but now, 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 present tense, right here, right now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You don't have to stay away. But here's the problem. Too many of us, we're living too good of a life. 
And when we get into the good life, we tend to forget about God. Look in Deuteronomy. He warns us of this. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Be careful. Now here's the warning for all of us today. Son, I'm not in pain. Life's good. I'm doing good. I'm blessed. Be careful that you do not what? Forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commandments, his laws, his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied and when you build fine houses and settle down. Sounds a little bit like America. Hmm? And when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart, listen, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. You see, we forget. I love, I love what um, this quote from Johnny Erickson Tata says this, and she's a lady, she's a paraplegic, she's, in, um, she's bound to a wheelchair her whole life. Look at this quote from Johnny Erickson Tata. She says this, if you could put it up for me. Maybe I'll have to get it. I, I gotta read it to you because it's just so good. I don't know, it got lost in the mix maybe of pro presenter land. Sorry, y'all. I got to read this quote. It's so good. If I could find it, it's coming, I promise. It's somewhere. I know, <laughs> and I want to give it to you. You're waiting so patiently. It's so good that I got to tell it to you. It says this, I got it. Are you ready? Yeah. Thank you for being patient. She said this, when life is rosy, we may slide by without knowing, with knowing about Jesus, with imitating him and quoting him and speaking of him, but only in suffering will we know Jesus. I'm going to read that to you again. It's so good. When life is rosy, when we may slide by with knowing about Jesus, with imitating him and quoting him and speaking of him, but only in pain will we know Jesus. And this thief on the cross in the moment of his greatest pain, he drew close to Jesus. He closed the gap, the distance. I got a third thing for you that we need to remember. Praise God. Be more afraid. You now write this down. Y'all going to remember this. Be more afraid of not living than dying. Be more afraid of not living than dying. See, the, the one thief on the cross, he was just worried about dying. He's like, Jesus save yourself and save me from my pain. Do you know that, that the reason that God doesn't remove us from pain oftentimes is because that he never promised us a pain-free life, but he promised us that I will be with you even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What A rod and a staff, a rod and a staff. What does that remind you? It reminds me of the cross. Jesus is in the middle of the pain with me. He's in the middle of my mess. But too many of us, you remember the movie Shawshank Redemption? I love that movie. And there's um, the character, the main character in the movie played by Tim Robbins. And, um, and he says something to Morgan Freeman in the movie who, who's in prison his whole life. And he says, he says an important quote to him. He says this. He says, it seems to me that we have a choice. Either get busy living or get busy dying. Do you realize that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection gives you and I a choice? 
And so many of us through this pandemic, we've been so afraid of dying that maybe the thing that we should be more afraid of is not living. Because the reality is that when we distance ourselves from God, we're distancing ourselves from the very life that Jesus died to give us. I don't, I don't really fear death, but what I fear is coming to the end of my life and realizing all the life I missed out on. I wonder if this man was hanging on the cross and he, maybe he was looking out over his wife. Maybe he was looking out at his kids as he's sitting there suffering, breathing his last breath. And I wonder what's going through his mind, thinking about all the things that he could have done with his life that now he never had a chance to. How many days do you have left to live life? You ever wonder that? We have no guarantees. There's only one guarantee in this life, and that's death and taxes. And yet, we could distance ourselves from it. Now, I'm going to give you my last point, and then there's going to be, and we're going to give you an amazing testimony video, and that's this, that there's no salvation uh, without surrender. Surrender leads to salvation. This man had to get to a point where he surrendered. I am helpless. There's nothing I can do to save myself. But I'm asking the one who can save me and has the power to save me, will you remember me? But it's in our surrender. And look, this isn't just something, some of you here, you know, you think these messages, they're just for people who don't know Jesus. Let me tell you, surrender is not something we do just once. Paul said, I die daily. Do you know how we close the gap six feet from heaven? Is that I'm willing to go six feet under that I'm willing, just like in baptism, it's a beautiful picture of baptism, that as I'm buried with Christ, I surrender my life daily. I surrender. Some of us, we're holding on to things. We're holding on to pain. And, and God told me, the Holy Spirit just reminded me to tell some of you, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of what you've been holding on to, the pain that you've had, the bitterness, the anger, the resentment, the frustration, the depression, the anxiety, the addiction, it's time to let go. It's time to surrender. You're going to watch this video, and a man, he's going, to, he's going to talk about his own surrender and how God miraculously gave life to him. This building was actually on the market for a year. And in this, in this, uh, in this real estate market, any real estate that's been sitting on the, proper, on the market for years, there's something wrong with it. Me and Mark, my, my business partner, we, um, we looked at this building and we really saw the potential that this building could have. That's kind of like my life, man, where God has a unique design and a unique mission and there's a reason that we're here and it's not for ourselves, it's for the glory of God. All right, I'm Aaron McPherson and uh, coming to you from my <clears throat> newest uh, endeavor, this is the home of Atrium Cowork. Uh, where do I start, man? Where do I start? I uh, was raised in church. Uh, Dad's a pastor, actually. So in, in ministry, uh, on the mission field, uh, going to church three times a week. And uh, had a really good, really good childhood, man. No, no regrets on uh, how I was raised. Kind of when I got into college, man, I... I uh, wanted to, uh, I guess, test the waters, right, of 
of what was permissible, I um, made a decision, an active decision of, you know, I am going to just fully pursue fleshly desires is really what it boils down to. So drugs, alcohol, sex, I'm just gonna, if it feels good, I'm gonna do it. Uh, the Bible says that sin is good for a season. And, and I, I definitely, I lived that season. That season for me was about six months. Just went headlong into um, the party lifestyle. I was at college. Uh, I feel like one, one weekend I, I started drinking. Uh, the next weekend I was doing cocaine and, uh, and it just kind of spiraled from there. Before I knew it, I was uh, involved in you know, harder drugs. Uh, I started using heroin when I was in Phoenix. That's when I got to a place where I, I couldn't control it anymore. It, it controlled me. That's how the devil works, man. He lures you in. He lured me in with the, the feel good, the gratification, sexual pleasure, and then it, it turned on me. I just gotten arrested and I was sitting in the back of a, of a squad car and I had my hands behind my back and I was looking out and I was seeing they had pulled me over for whatever and um, I clearly heard the voice of God speak to me that you've been playing with fire for a long time and you have yet to get burned. You're, you're playing with fire. And I, I clearly heard that. I was sitting in the back of the car. I had a large amount of drugs in, the, in my truck at the time. They didn't find the drugs. So they found, um, I had a bunch of needles in the car. They found those needles and of course, you know, if anybody ever finds needles, it's, oh, my friend's a diabetic. Uh, they found, I had a bunch of cash on me, a couple thousand dollars and you know, oh, I just got paid. It's a, it's a Thursday, I just got paid. It was a pure miracle of God and I believe God averted their eyes to see that and he was legitimately giving me a second chance of what are you gonna do with your life, Aaron? Like this is um, your, your one opportunity. This is your get out of jail free card. I had totally went off the rails spiritually, but yet God in his infinite grace and mercy was still willing to reach down, A, and speak to me, uh, and, and give me another opportunity. I'll remember that. That's a big part of my testimony is that while in my sin, deep, deep, and it was at that moment in that car that I felt like he gave me a second chance. I had to quick sell all those drugs real quick so I could have some spending money. But then I went to, uh, I moved up to Montana. I did my last uh, drugs somewhere on I-15 on the way up here, threw everything out. Uh, we're coming, I'm coming up on 16 years of sobriety and I got sober in May and it wasn't until October of that year that I fully surrendered and committed. That's what I consider my born again date. So there's this six month period where I still was wrestling with a total commitment to Christ. I didn't want the consequences of sin. I didn't want the, to be addicted to drugs. It's like, oh, thank, thanks God for, for uh, freeing me from this drug addiction, but I think I'm gonna take back control over my life now. That was kind of my mentality for, for a six month period. And a counselor, I uh, was in a, a rehab program, he, he said, why don't you give 
and commit to Christ 100%. Just do it for 30 days. Give him total control and see, uh, see what will happen. And I just surrendered that day in October uh, to God completely. He became Lord of my life that day. His desire is that none should perish and that all should come to the knowledge of Christ, okay? So he's constantly going after us, seeking us. The question is, is Jesus Lord of your life? And that requires him being Lord over every single area of your life. And not just for the benefits, but because he's worthy. Yeah, can we give it up for Jesus? Thank you, Aaron, for sharing your story. That's so amazing. As we close, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to close our service without giving you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus and experience the salvation that he died to give you. For too many of us, we, we just, we feel like, man, God's so disappointed with me. I don't even know if he would receive me. And it reminds me, I was at a, a men's ministry weekend a couple of weekends ago, and they played this movie called The Heart of Man. And in it, there was this man giving a testimony about how he was a Christian for years, and yet he was stuck in this pain of his sin that he just couldn't shake. And, and all night, he was engaging in this sin, and he was just stuck in it. And he thought in that moment, man, God has got to be so disappointed with me. He's got to be so far from me right now. And in that moment, God gave him a vision. And in that vision, he saw himself as a prisoner. And he, had a, uh, he was going into the prison cafeteria, and he got, he got a tray of food. And he went to go find a seat to sit down, and there were other prisoners, and nobody would let him sit down by him. And finally, he found a table where, that was empty, and so he sat down at that table, and he started to eat alone in his brokenness and in his pain. And he said, and in that moment, in walked Jesus, and he was wearing prison clothes just like him. And he had a tray of food and he came and he sat down across the table from him. And the guy looked at him and he didn't say a word. He was just eating and they just sat and ate together. And finally, he got up enough courage to ask him. He says, he's like, just about done eating. And he says to him, would you eat with me again? And he said, Jesus stopped eating, put his fork down. And he said, I'll eat with you anytime. All you have to do is ask. And he says, by the way, the door's open. You can leave anytime you want. I thought, man, what a, what a beautiful picture. But for too many of us, we're, we're stuck in our sin. We're stuck in our guilt and our shame. We're stuck in our pain. And when Jesus came out of the tomb and rolled the stone away. It's an invitation for you and me. He said, the door's open. You don't have to stay here anymore. It's just six feet away. You're six feet from heaven. All you gotta do is get up and get out of the place that you're in and surrender to me. And so with every eye closed and every head bowed, I wanna offer you that invitation today to surrender your life to Jesus 
Maybe there's some of you in the room that you did that a long time ago. You've been far from God and today's the day that you draw back near to God. If you're here today and you'd say on this Easter Sunday, today's the day of salvation for me. I wanna know just like that thief on the cross that I can be sure that I will be with Jesus in heaven someday. And not only that, but I can live in his presence right now. If that's you, just slip your hand up. Just say yes, Pastor Lance, that's me. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Anyone else? Come on, this is your moment, God bless you. Maybe there's some of you online, God bless you, that today is the day. If you would just write in the comment section, I believe we'll have somebody reach out to you and pray with you. And we're gonna have prayer teams over here on the lighted banners, but I, maybe there's some of you here that you used to follow Jesus and today is the day that you come back to him. You'd say, my heart, even though I would call myself a Christian, I've been far from God. My heart's been far from him. Today's the day that I close the gap and I come to him. If that's you, just slip your hand up. You say, Pastor Lance, today's the day I'm coming back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for saving me on the cross. Thank you for living a life sin-free and taking all my sin and nailing it to the cross that I could be free and forgiven. I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me. I turn to you. I surrender my life to you. All that I am and all that I'll ever be. Remember me in your kingdom, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support the ministry of Hope Church at hopechurchmt.com give. Also follow us on social media at hopechurchmt. Be blessed and have a great week.